What's going on and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson and greetings from Detroit, Michigan as the Pelicans get set to wrap up the three-game road trip against the Pistons tonight. The Pelicans looking for a winning road trip. They split the first two games, beating the Knicks on Friday night and losing to the Boston Celtics on Saturday night. Very short-handed team for the Pelicans on Saturday night. No J.J. Redick, no Drew Holiday, no Derek Favors, and no Kenrich Williams. Three of those guys are questionable for tonight's game. That's Redick, Holiday, and Favors, and Kenrich Williams remains out. Of course, we'll keep you updated throughout the day when we go to shoot around, and we'll see if head coach Alvin Gentry announces anyone that will come back. If not, it'll be during his pregame uh, interview uh, that you can watch on pelicans.com or the mobile app. But let's see if the Pelicans can get on the back on the winning track. Again, they are uh, looking for a winning road trip, and then they'll be back home and have another two-game home stand with two very tough teams, the Utah Jazz on Thursday and the Los Angeles Clippers on Saturday afternoon in an ABC primetime special. Of course, also happy game day to everyone. Uh, LSU and Clemson battle it out in the city of New Orleans for a national championship. Of course, we're wishing the LSU Tigers the best of luck today. I have purple picked out for myself for tonight. Just wanting to root on the home team. So looking forward to that one tonight as a lot of people here will be have our eyes on that game back home. But it should be a great night around the Crescent City. And hopefully an LSU Tiger win can be combined with a Pelicans win. And that's how we're going to do today's show. Combining a, a Pelicans fan and an LSU Tigers fan. And that's T-Bob Bear, who, of course, hosts Off the Bench with Jordy Collada. Today they're running a special at 9 a.m. But normally they're on from 6 to 8 a.m. On our flagship station, they're simulcast at ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. But, of course, they are based out of Baton Rouge. But T-Bob's a very active Pelicans fan. He shows on social media. He's fantastic. And we just wanted to touch base with him, just check in on the season, how things are going with him. And, of course, we do get a little bit of a preview of tonight's game between LSU and Clemson. So that will come up in just a few moments. But, again, three guys questionable tonight as the Pelicans get set to take on the Detroit Pistons. It's an early tip-off, 6 p.m. Central Time, 5.30. I'll have pregame for you on the radio side. And, of course, you can watch it on Fox Sports New Orleans with Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels, and Jen Hale. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to my conversation with T-Bob Bear. All right, of course, joining us now is T-Bob Bear. Of course, you can listen to him on ESPN Baton Rouge and also on the flagship station for your Pelicans, ESPN New Orleans, 100.3 FM. It's off the bench Monday through Friday with Jordy Collada on 104.5 FM. Again, ESPN Baton Rouge. T-Bob, good to have you on the Pelicans podcast. What's going on, man? Yo, Daniel, what's up, man? I am uh, very happy to be here. I am just currently hanging out, uh, biting my time until monday's national championship it kind of feels like the uh the calm before the storm a little bit right here yeah absolutely we'll get to uh, monday's game here in just a second but i do want to talk about the pelicans i know you're you're a big pelicans fan here and of course you talk about it on your show that airs on our flagship station but what's your fans reaction when you're doing the show and talking pelicans what is your fans reactions have been um during this recent stretch where they've won seven out of their last 10 games well, it's been good here recently, right? The Pelicans are interesting, man. I've had a very interesting radio relationship with them over the years because uh, I've always been a big NBA fan. And so when I started doing radio out of college back in 2013 in New Orleans, you know, there was almost like no Pelicans talk. And it kind of drove me crazy because I'm like, wait, we do 24-7 sports talk. And we have two professional franchises, and yet we don't take advantage of one of the franchises to 
you know, to fill a bore, right? To like for content, for anything, just for interest. And, and so it's been fascinating in the interim watching that talk kind of grow once again. And, and like anything else, it's ebbs and flows. And like anything else, winning is ultimately decides where that interest is. But I will say this, even though there have been times during this year uh, where it has been a struggle, and when you combine that with how big football has been this fall, whether it's LSU or the Saints or whatever, uh, even though even though you know the interest isn't the highest that I have ever seen it, the long term belief is the highest that I've ever seen it, and that's actually representative of I think how I feel uh, as, as as well right now where. Yeah, you know, this year hasn't gone to Gordon and plan. Now, it's been nice here recently and kind of against all odds. Like, I mean, you could still be fighting for a playoff spot if it's Italy Zion returning to, which I cannot wait for. But with the changes to the front office, with the recommitment to the franchise from Miss Gail Benson, with the hiring of David Griffin, like, you know, the, the separation of powers more between the Saints and between the Pelicans. For the first time since I have been covering them back in 2013, I don't feel the kind of sense of impending doom. I don't feel anxiety. I actually feel very hopeful for the future. And it's weird because that's what that was different in, in what I would call, you know, the AD era. And I love Anthony Davis. I had three different Anthony Davis jerseys, right? I have Pelicans Christmas sweaters. I have all this stuff. And I got all that stuff because of how much I love AD. So my best basketball memories ever are uh, cheering them on to the playoffs back in, I think it was uh, 13 or winning the or winning, winning the first round against the Blazers. Like, I love AD. But because of the struggles and kind of because of the lack of vision and leadership – it almost felt like, as a Pelican fan at times, it almost felt like you were trying to hold water in your hand, and it was just leaking between your fingers. You're like, oh well, well if this goes wrong, you know what? What, what if what if AD demands out, or or, or is he going to leave if you do this? And it became this kind of, like I said, just kind of a constant point of anxiety, and it made all the bad things feel worse, and it made all the good things feel not as good because you were still worried about what Davis would eventually do. And then, look, eventually that nightmare scenario arrived. And it was brutal. And it sucked. And things looked really, really dark at the end of last year. And so the way that the franchise was able to kind of, like like a phoenix, like rise from those ashes, a franchise that looked like it had no momentum and was just dead in the water, and then hires a guy like David Griffin, he hired Trajan Langdon, and 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 uh, oh, I'm like just 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 hires talent all over the place. Miss Benson recommits them, recommits to the facilities. Uh, you combine, you know, skillful hiring then with a little bit of luck and getting the number one overall pick and getting Zion, and all of a sudden, you didn't just have short-term juice, but you got more long-term juice than you've had, like I said, in my time covering this team, and that's been like. Like I said, back since 2013 when I really started uh, watching them consistently again. And so, yeah, like I, I don't know exactly where this year goes, but for the first time, I don't, 
I'm not stressed about it. Like, I'm able to enjoy it. Even when it's bad, I'm kind of able to enjoy it because I see, okay, well, yeah, maybe it didn't go well, but, you know, this element is good, and this is an element that you that you can carry forward with you. I love seeing Lonzo Balls play and how he's been improving lately. I mean, the emergence of Brandon Ingram as a true max player has been fantastic, and so – yeah, I um I actually I actually really like where 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 the Pelicans where the Pelicans sit right now, which is kind of crazy. You know, you say, wait, what? For what what is it, thirteen and twenty five? That's like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Right. But no, it's it's like I said, there's I, I think there's long term uh hope that I don't know that I always had here. Absolutely, and it's good to hear. Um and you talk about Zion and of course you're mentioning Anthony Davis and how many jerseys you own. That means with Zion being in the fold, how many Zion apparel have you owned, or when are you going to start getting some? Um, so the day after they got the pick, I got a Zion red jersey off a Chinese. Uh, I don't know if there's like an NBA sanctioned podcast, but I got I got a red Zion <laughs> jersey off some like knockoff Chinese site. It's way too tight. It accentuates my gut. It's excellent. I love it. And then. Uh, <laughs> Once the official jerseys came out, I went and bought a, uh, a Navy Zion Triple uh, X that fits a bit better. So, so I have my red Zion and my dark Zion. And then, uh, well, if, you, if y'all knock it out of the park with the Mardi Gras uniforms again, then then maybe I'll be uh, maybe I'll pick it up a Mardi Gras Zion as well. Sounds like a plan. Uh, T-Bob, this is an interesting question here, but bear with me. According to the Pelicans game notes under Zion's biography, it says that he never played football but was offered a scholarship from LSU. So, you being the football player that you are, what position would Zion play if he suited up for the Fighting Tigers? I mean, with these guys, uh, I, I think there's always kind of like, you know, it's like the same with LeBron James. Like, their body type, the obvious place where you start, is at tight end, right? And and like like a Gronk, uh, Jimmy Graham in his prime type of tight end. I mean, I'm sure. Look, I'm sure that Zion and LeBron could block, but I want to see linebackers and safeties and DBs trying to D these guys up on passing routes. Because like, let's be clear: NBA players are the greatest athletes in the world. There is not a more genetically exclusive sport than the NBA. If you're 6'3", you're short, right? People think J.J., the average person thinks J.J. Reddick, you just turn on a game. I love playing this game. People, I did to my wife, you're like, you know, okay, how tall do you think he is? And they're like, yeah, like 5'10", 5'11". What's J.J., like 6'4"? Yeah. So, like, yeah, you, yeah. you can be like a 6'4", 300-pound lineman, and you're like, whoa, that is a big human being. And you step on a basketball court, you look tiny. So for guys like LeBron and Zion to be that size and to still have that quickness and to still be able to run and still be able to jump and have the ball skills and the coordination, it is an alchemical mixture that it's like once in a generation, right? It just does not happen. And so, yeah, you put that guy in tight end and you try, who's going to beat them for a jump ball if you throw a fade? I mean, I, you know, it stinks for Saints fans, but like you saw what Kyle Rudolph did how was Zion Williamson out there? How would you, I mean, what would you do? How would you stop I'm him? trying you to picture him in a football to. uniform. I'm trying to picture him in a football <laughs> uniform, and I think that would just be weird. I mean, you wouldn't be able to. I mean, somebody like Shaq, are you kidding me? I would even put yeah. Shaq to like left tackle or something. Who would ever get by him? So, yeah, I, I love the idea of like, 
fantasy and then like playing with like the idea of like, okay, how would this athlete be in this sport? And yes, Zion Williamson would dominate football. That'd be fun to watch. Absolutely. And speaking of the Tigers, before we let you go, we have to talk about Monday's game. But before we get to Monday's game, uh, T-Bob, as a Georgia Southern alum, I think I'm allowed to take a little bit of credit, or we are, for LSU's run based off of opening yep. weekend when uh, my Eagles came in and I think gave the Tigers all the confidence they need to run the table. Is that fair to say here as a Georgia Southern alum? It was, it was, really, it was really funny because, like, that game – um, you know, there was so much talk during the offseason, like, no, LSU's offense really is going to be better this year. They really are going to throw the ball. They're really going to do this. They're really going to do that. But we've heard that song and dance before. And so nobody really believed it. And so normally those type of games, people don't really care about that much, right? I mean, it's just because it's kind of nature of the game. Right. You, you know what the outcome is going to be. You're going to go. You're going to have fun. But you're not, like, too stressed. People were ecstatic. Like, like, people had, like, tears falling from their eyes. They were falling to their knees, praising the sky, because the offense looked perfect. I mean, I'll never forget it. It was just one of those things, like, whoa, is this, is this really happening? I mean, LSU fans were used to those kind of games being a bit grindy, and, you know, eventually you lean on the team long enough, and your talent disparity just wins out, and you just win because you're just better. That, that was domination and it did set the tone for the rest of the year and then it became this thing of like oh okay well that was awesome now can they do it against texas and then they did it there and it's like okay that was great but now can they do it against a really good defense can they do it against florida oh but auburn has the best defensive line they do it against auburn what about the georgia defense and it goes on and on and on and so yeah it really did all start on that Georgia Southern night, like that was Joe Burrow's coming out party. And that was when, and, and you know, what's crazy, even at that moment, and it was an unbelievable offensive game. Still nobody in their wildest dreams would have expected the LSU offense to reach the heights that it would later go on to reach. Yeah. I'm glad that was my first visit to the Tiger stadium. It was a nice warm welcome here, but I, I enjoyed the heck out of the game as far as just the atmosphere and stuff. But uh, that game wasn't, didn't quite go our way, but I kind of expected that um, just based on how LSU is. But you speaking of all those Look, games Georgia and about Southern, the Georgia Southern is no Georgia Southern is no stranger to championships. I grew up in Georgia, and Georgia Southern used to stack one AA championships on the reg. So I I don't feel bad for the Eagles catching a whooping because they put away put whoopings on a lot of people through the years. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'll, I'll allow that, T. Bob. I appreciate that. Um, what game then did it click for you? What game after the game you said this team's going to make a run? Like wh when was the game that you felt like you felt so confident in this team, like they were going to reach this point that they are on Monday night? I mean, the, it sounds cliche at this point, but the Alabama game still is the game, right? Um, yeah. Because like, yes, like the Florida was a great test. Auburn, a great test. Going on the road in Texas, a great test. But then going to Tuscaloosa, where they'd won 30-something games in a row. Um, so going on the road there, facing off a team that beat you 29-0 to zero in Death Valley one year before. Going against a team that has had your number for the better part of a decade. The team that beat you in the 2011 Natty and then never looked back and just kept going there. Winning in the manner that they did, where they staved off a late run. Two 75-yard touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. 
um, that was the moment where you're like, okay, that, 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 and I said at the time, like, I'm like, you know what? I am done doubting this team. I don't care trap game. I don't care this. I don't care that. I don't care who it is. This team has given me nothing to no reason to doubt them. They have passed every single test of flying colors and that only continues. Right. And then it was like, Oh, well, you know, this is A&M team. Are they going to overlook this? And then no, they killed A&M and, well, Georgia's got this great defense, and it's going to be in Atlanta, the SC schedule, they killed them. And then Jalen Hurts in Oklahoma, they got this incredible offense, and they killed them. So it's just – I mean, they've beaten six AP top ten teams this year alone. This will be their seventh out of 15 teams. Seven, Basically 50% of their games played against the top ten, and they've beaten everybody. That's already a record. The six is they have a chance to make it seven. So, yeah, the Alabama game was when I just – fully gave myself over that was kind of the uh the curse being broken type of moment all right before i let you go what are your plans for monday as far as on the air i'm certain i'm assuming you'll be doing stuff whether it's from new orleans or from baton rouge ahead of the national championship and then how are you watching the game i'm always curious when you know other fans of teams that are in big moments of big championship games how they watch it some are so nervous that they watch it a certain way how is t bob a bear going to be watching monday night's game so uh, this week I'm very excited. We got a lot of fun player events scheduled and stuff, like alumni type deal. But uh, Saturday is going to be really fun. Saturday noon to three, I'm actually going to be at the House of Blues with the Athletic, and we're doing. They have all their national college football writers, so like Andy Stables, the co-hourback, uh, Matt Fortuna, just all all their national writers are coming in. And me and Brody Miller, and then I think CJ Stiller is going to be there. We're, we're going to do like a little live stage show at the House of Blues little podcast. So that's going to be a ton of fun. And then Monday, um, all of our 104.5 shows, which are also on 100.3, will originate from New Orleans. So Mike and Mike's going to be a championship, champion square five to nine. We'll be on uh, my show off the bench. We'll be on nine to eleven midday guys. They're normal time eleven to one. Hester one to three. Moscona three to six. So we'll be there. And then I, 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 I'm going to go to the press box. I, I, I go to the press box. It's um, although you aren't allowed to cheer, uh, I'm actually okay with that. Sometimes I need a more kind of stoic environment. I mean, I guess I can go either way because I also had so much fun this summer watching the game with my neighbors and just going crazy celebrating. But I do appreciate sometimes the kind of quiet environment of the press box. So I've been to really lock in. I've, I've, I've learned how to cheer internally, which uh, has definitely helped. But, uh, yes, I'll just – I'll be in the Superdome box hoping for the best, hoping that, uh, that this team can finally exercise the demons and eradicate the, uh, the, the, the memories of 2011 and – and bring home a natty in that stadium once again. Well, T-Bob, I did pack my purple for my tie and my button down for Monday, so I am going to be representing LSU, and hopefully they take home a victory in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Are you all still going to be in New York? We'll be in Detroit. We have a game that night, so we're going to be kind of eyes on TV, eyes on the basketball game. It's going to be an interesting night because there are some LSU alum that work with us here. Um, including Jen Hale, which I don't know how she's going to handle it on Monday, but um, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it. Um, but we're we're looking forward to it. We're we're rooting you guys on, and I really appreciate it, T. Bob. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Daniel, absolutely, man. And tell everyone I said what's up. I love the Pelicans. Love everybody. Y'all got working up there, Jen, Joel, everybody. So hell yeah, man. 
go Pels, go Tigers. Let's do this thing. The future looks very bright for both because I believe that both have very good leadership at the top right now. All right, and that'll do it for today's podcast. We're efforting to get you a couple of great national guests for the rest of the week. As the Pelicans again get back home tonight after the game, we'll take on the Jazz on Thursday and the Clippers on Saturday. So a couple days rest for the Pelicans who need it. They've played 21 games in the last 42 days, so basically a game every other day. And so the Pelicans need some rest, and we'll get some here in the next couple of days. Again, uh, you can join me at 5.30 today for Pelicans warm-up on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM. And then Todd Graffinini will have the call at 6 p.m. from Little Caesars Arena in downtown Detroit. And, uh, of course, you can uh, tune in with our podcast the rest of the week on Wednesday and Friday. And, again, also, if you want to watch it tonight, Fox Sports New Orleans is the way to go. Big thanks to T-Bob Bear and Caroline Gonzalez for producing today's show. And until tonight, from Detroit, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans Podcast presented by Seat.